All right, Matt Lott, they're coming to you live on Interstate 80, headed west towards Kearney. I'm heading to meet T.D. Miller from Torrington, Wyoming, with the NLC Bull King Cobra. Going to run on his cows this summer. P.D.'s got all them juked-up cows that King Cobra works real nice on. So, uh, during the course of my six- or seven-week podcasting career, you know, did John, did you know that I just started on April 18th? I did not know the exact date. <laughs> Hey, you're a natural, Matt. You're a natural. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know about that. <laughs> Anyways, I appreciate that. But uh, in the course of my just a few-week career, I've done about 160 episodes, and generally just like this, driving down the interstate, as long as they have good cell phone connection, uh, you can put up some pretty dang nice podcasting material. And previous to this, I don't want to rank any guests but I would say this has to rank right up next to John Griswold and Harry Ryman and influencers of the industry. So, if you haven't already guessed by his voice, I do have the founder of Sullivan Supply, Sullivan Farms, uh, and more importantly, the dad to Sarah Sullivan and Sage Sullivan, John Sullivan of Dunlap, Iowa, and uh, also husband to Dee. So, John, thank you for joining the show. Uh, have you ever heard an episode of MLC's Big Show in the last six, seven or eight weeks? Yes, I have. Uh, the other yep. day with Callan Hahn, I thought it was awesome. Good deal. Yep. Callan is a former employee at your uh, operation, and uh, maybe she still helps you from time to time. I'm, I'm not 100% sure on that, but she's doing really good things out of the North Carolina market. She works with my wife. Uh, Sometimes mom, I don't want to <laughs> make this an infomercial for Callum, but sometimes moms of three just need a little help getting uh, motivated for health and fitness reasons, and Callum has been a very good addition to my wife's uh, yeah, for health and fitness. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. That's, hey, if it makes you feel good and you're moving, it's it's a win-win. And hey, Callum's highly driven, so n- none of that surprises me that she'd be an excellent coach at that. I have a list of a few questions written down by me and my, uh, we'll call them executive producers, Mr. Kevin Mears and and uh, Curtis Reed from Saskatchewan, Canada, and then also Jason Colehouse from uh, up in northern Iowa has been helping us out there in the control booth. So thank you guys for helping. And uh, just starting off, I mean, my personal interaction with John Sullivan is uh, I was not very aware of his business when he first got rolling at Sullivan Supply back in the early night. Was it early 90s or late 80s, John? Uh, it was 1989. 1989, okay. I was just seven years old, definitely had a runny nose back then, just a snot-nosed kid. And, uh, yeah, I guess uh look forward to hearing more about your beginning story and uh, you know, the hardships that you may have had to overcome. Uh, first off, on my short list of questions was uh, just, Nick and James Sullivan are your uh, nephews. Your brother Joe. I think my dad had a bull called Brother Joe back in the back in the day, fifteen or twenty years ago, named after Joe Sullivan. But uh, Nick and James Sullivan, you worked with them, you know, showing heifers. And it's a silly question, very very silly question to start off this deal. But uh, which one of those two showed more interest in showing heifers or the cattle game, or was it equal to each other? Uh, that's a good question. Um, you know, I thought James was always a little bit more of a cattle junkie. Um, Nick was probably a little bit more of a natural showman. Uh, he was like an elite showman. James was a damn good showman. They're yeah. barn. Uh, they're both pretty darn good in day-to-day activities. Um, I kind of, yeah. I'd have to say James was just a little bit more. I guess I'll describe it as a cattle junkie in general. Yeah. Hey, their parents yeah, so got lucky. They got. Uh, our brother Joe and and his wife Beth, they're they're pretty special people. They know how to right. So of all my trips to uh, Dunlap, Iowa, I mean, you come for the cattle, but you stay for the people. And uh, your brother Joe, I mean, he's not even on my list of questions for you. But like, I do have to mention your brother Joe. It's just one of my pleasures of my year when I get to go and sit in his office and watch him smoke cigarettes. Has he quit smoking yet, or is he still smoking them heaters? I think that those cigarettes and Mountain Dew, they're just not going to go anywhere. <laughs> right. He's going to die with that Mountain Dew in the refrigerator, whether that's one year or 25 years. I promise you. That's uh, or, or 50 years. But 
anyways, that's his brother Joe. He is what he is. That's kind of how I am, too. So, uh, moving on, he's a hell of a good fellow. I love hearing Joe Sullivan's story. Yeah, he is. Helped me out um, unbelievably the first uh, X amount of years in business. I mean, just with little things from MIT, he was always there for me. So, uh, just, uh, I know you're a competitive guy. You and uh, my wife would be the most two competitive people in the world that I know personally. And uh, if you had your choice between North American and Louisville or the Iowa State Fair taking down a champion breeding heifer or, you know, all breeds there in uh, Louisville, do you have a, a favorite between the two or the, is it just a toss-up, a coin flip? Um, well, I, mean, I love our uh, Iowa State Fair. It's very nostalgic. I love that show arena just because it, it looks so nostalgic and cool. Um, and at the end of the day, it's probably really not even close because that's limited to one state. Yep. And um, a lot of times we didn't even show some of our better heifers there. We were kind of holding them more for the fall majors. And uh, the reason that is because we put we just think Louisville is kind of the Super Bowl. It's the best yep. of the, it's all the states. And um, uh, you're going to know where you stand after you go to Louisville, Kentucky, real quick. Cause it takes all the sense in the world, for sure. I am what you'd call, if you're a senior level in high school, show heifer shower. I'm a kindergarten level show heifer shower. And one year, one time, just one time, John Sullivan, me and my wife were able to just slide around in front of you at the uh, 2015 American Royal. Uh, with a black and white heifer we called Margo that ended up doing a really good for us here in our donor embryo program. But anyways, we accidentally beat up an IED heifer that uh, you got gathered up from uh, from Kendall and uh, Adam Schleski up there in South Dakota that year. My my historian, my ability to remember uh, names and dates is incredible. Other things I'm poor on, but anyways, that was an IED heifer. That heifer ended up that we beat that day by, you know, just by luck, uh, ended up being the Supreme All Breeze in Louisville just a few weeks later. So that's pretty awesome for you and just a small, like, one of our highlights of our career, even though our kids hadn't started showing yet, our niece was showing back then. So, uh, yeah, just that's one of my short little show heifer stories. So back in, you say, the 1989 Sullivan Supply has started, I mean, I... How old were you at that particular time, John? Were you in your 20s or 30s at that point? Um, Dee Dee and I started Sullivan Supply when we were 23. No kidding. So, wow. That's awesome. Almost like um, there was some the naiveness of not having enough uh, money sure. or capital or experience. Late a little. It, it was um, probably end up being a good thing if we knew it was getting ourselves <laughs> in. If I tell people, we might not have got into it. <laughs> Aided in your pursuit because you didn't know how daunting of a pursuit it was going to be, for sure. That that makes total sense. In my years of travel, I've heard some John Sullivan stories here and there, and I do know that you had a limousine. Okay, you're gonna have to fill me in on a lot of the details, but I'll just tell you briefly what I know. I know that you worked for a limousine outfit, possibly in Nevada. Is that right? Uh, well, when I was 18 years old, I moved to Texas. Texas. Okay. I guess you'd call that was my first real job. And was that a limousine outfit? That was Rosenke Cattle Company, who had purebred limousines. Do you have any idea why I would have thought it was in Nevada? Well, then from there, I went to Little Mondo Limousine in uh Okay. okay. So just starting at Rosenke's, uh, at that point, when you're 18 years old, did did you happen to – some people say they never won a county fair when they grew up. Uh, some people won a bunch. But just tell me briefly about your 4-H career leading up to that 18-year-old mark. And then at that point, did you see, before you're John Sullivan, Sullivan Supply Guy, I mean, did you see yourself as, like, a really good fitter or a really good eye for cattle, or was your passion more for the for the, for the the brood cow in terms of wanting to own cows? Mayor, what did you see yourself at that early point in your career? Um, well, I always loved the production end of it, um, the, the genetics, the breeding stock side, um, but I was – Still the uh, complete showbarn junkie kid, you know, from 10 years old on. I mean, sure. um, I, I did. I loved going out and getting in cows to AI and, and the 
and all the production part of it and the genetic part of it. But still, at that point, when you're younger, it's just kind of natural. I was more of a uh, show-born kid. I showed steers. Loved, loved the steer part of it. Um, family had some steerbred scimitols um, at that time. And, um, you know, 1984, I graduated from high school. And that, you got right in the middle of that farm crunch. And, you know, I learned a lot of things. And, um, I mean, things were rough for uh, farmers, whether you had one generation or three generations. Uh, people were really just trying to try to survive. Sure. So I got to learn. That was a very good experience looking back on it for me. A hard times sharpen the blade, for sure, in terms of efficiency. Just a personal story along the farm crunch. I mean, for those that are not old enough to know what it was, I mean, just I think there was percentage rates that were just astronomical that you couldn't afford to borrow money back then. So, I mean, uh, I believe the story was told to me by my dad that uh, Tom Lauterbaugh, just uh, a Central Iowa story, nearly went under during the farm crunch. Somehow he made it through. I mean, just everybody had to nip and tuck and just get through for a few years. And then once he got through to the other side, he actually had a, a lot of net worth and a lot of value, I mean, for the for the remaining 30 years of his life. I mean, anyways, I mean, I guess it's just a comparison maybe to what we're going through now just because I don't know. I don't even know if you could compare the two, but, I mean, this six, six and, six and a half diesel is going to break some people, and it's disgusting, and I hate it, and I'm going not to go down a road because I'm sure you don't want to, but, I mean... Are the was the mid '80s anywhere similar to where it is right now outside of interest rates, or how do you compare the two time periods? Um, I would compare it. The mid '80s was um, for the agriculture community was much much worse. The you know maybe the American business climate you know might identify with it. The '80s, but they had 18 to 22 percent interest, Matt, and I mean the farmers. Yep. Uh, yeah, they they just, can you imagine going to the bank now and having to pay eighteen to twenty two percent interest? Ugh. Well, if Ugh. you expanded at the wrong time, I just took that whole whole level sure. of guys. Unfortunately, no matter how good they were, it almost took them down. We our family barely survived it too. I mean, we just barely survived it. it I don't even know if you called. We hardly survived it to be honest. It was a start over. Sure, six and seven dollar diesel fuel prices are terrible and 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 disgusting. We'll move on after this, but. We do have high commodity prices at the same time, so that helps out. As you got started, uh, could you identify some of the people that have helped to build your show supply and, uh, you know, fruit cow or, or livestock empire uh, over the last 35 yeah. years? Absolutely. Um, you know, on the cattle side of it, it is definitely uh, John Elder's foundation. From longevity, consistency, smart livestock skills, um, the two best cowmen I know live about a mile from each other, and that's John Elder and Joe Sullivan. Joe and John. They're just unbelievable. And, um, you know, you've got that foundation there with John and everything mushrooms kind of around him. And, uh, of course, Nate Tice, Josh Elder, you know, Jess Reckner, those guys have been with us a lot of years and very, very important pieces and, you know, thankful and own owe them guys a lot on the livestock side. That's the group that I would say, hey, you know, you can't already live without those guys. They otherwise got 50 cows instead of, you know, 400. Uh, just a personal story, Josh Elder, uh, he's in my age bracket. I think he's a year or two younger than me, but uh, he was just a buddy of mine growing up, and it's fun for me to see the the juvenile or the wet-behind-the-ears sort of mentality we had back in the late 90s and early 2000s. And Josh is just a warrior now in terms of, you know, he's a business professional. So that's awesome that uh, with your help. I think there was a, there's a story that I could tell, and I can edit this out if it's a dumb story, but, like, I think Josh received a bet from you that you that he couldn't stop drinking for a summer or a three-month period or something along those lines whenever he had just turned 21, and he did it. And I, I just always like to socialize, but Josh now is – he looks like he's cut from – Steel. I mean, that guy, he could be like, you know, one of them bodybuilder types. He's just so cut. Maybe since he's a dad now, he's not quite as active at the gym, but for a long time, he was Mr. Mister Fit. I think you probably helped him out with that, John. Well, he was never too bad on the, on the um, partying. You know, he was just, 
young. One thing you do around here, I mean, I just believe that, um, hey, if you're 16, you're 18, you're 22, whatever age is, you just need to kind of get with it. You can use waiting. You can do 20, but you can do it 28. You don't need to wait. And uh, so Josh was, you know, he wasn't a wild child, but he was, I was asking him to, uh, for most of you, probably a 30-year-old person's job managing a show cattle operation. And, um, hey, he was only like 18, 19, 20 years of age. So, yeah, we did make a bet, and he did win the bet. And uh, (laughs) that perseverance, he can do it. Sullivan's Supply is John Sullivan, but after all these years, I just can't imagine a Sullivan operation without a Josh Elder or a Jess Rettner or a Nate Tice. They've, they've really been good for you, and uh, those, those, those people that help the guy run more efficiently are, are I mean, they're just, they don't come around every day, so I'm sure that no. you uh, hold on to them tight when you get them. We've got a, ki- a pile of them through the supply, too. I mean, sure. you know, gosh, we've had family members doing everything from making rope halters to my mom sewing everything that sewed. And, um, boy, you know, I had an old, my old 4-H uh, buddy Jim Hannigan was our operations manager for a lot of years, and my old show buddy Scott Kinzer still does our new products. And you know, then James Sullivan graduated from the show barn in Iowa State, and hey, he's leading the charge at new products now at Sullivan Supply. And General Manager Matt Burkhart is one of the most uh, unique human beings as far as um, just being able to to make things happen and work ethic and integrity. So we, you've got to have good people like that. I mean, and then you've got to have your family support. Hey, I can't, I can't stress it enough. You, you don't grow without people that are that good. Brings me into another question. At one point, you uh, probably had the best ask to uh, make, make ends meet. And just through time, I know that, you know, a guy always wants to stay in, uh, macro control rather than micromanaging, I think, is a term that I've heard some of your help tell me before. But uh, I guess, how has that transition been for you? I mean, just offer some offer some thoughts about going from micromanagement or being the guy that's personally selling the product off the shelves to, I mean, now you have so many employees that you simply can't be at all the shows. But uh, just tell us about that element or that transition. Oh, yeah. That's a, that is a process, and, you know, it, funny as it sounds, I really enjoyed every process. I really did. And you just kind of learn to adapt and uh, or you go backwards, you know. And so, personally, I enjoyed every stage of it. And, you know, one of, the, one of the greatest things that you have when you kind of start something up like that is, hey, I've, I've made the rope holders. I've built the blowers. I've sharpened the blades. I mean, everything – that we do in there, we pack the packages, taking the phone calls. So I did all that. So you kind of know what they're going through. So that that makes things easier, you know, to kind of understand what your employees are going through. But yeah. I'd say the, the hardest thing, that, that adjustment, the hardest thing is it's pretty easy for you to gain your um, employees' respect if you're back there working with them and you're sweating with them. Yeah. Now, as you grow, they don't see everything that's going on sometimes. You've got to become a very good communicator. It's important um, because if they don't understand the goals and they don't understand kind of some of behind the scenes, they just don't become as fully invested. If they don't believe in it and they're not fully invested, then you're not going to get their best self. So I tried to, to get to be a better communicator as I got older, and um, you give up things. So you're not micromanaging. When you're younger, you're broke. Uh, you're finding capital, so you had to kind of micromanage because you couldn't afford to um, slip anywhere. And sure. as you matured, you physically can't do it all, and you just you you learn to trust people, and you get good people. And um, hey, you got to you've got to visit with them and let them do their job. So I've tried to concentrate on the communication part of it, so they can go off and and be their own good self. I mean, your your path is much different than mine, and I'm not trying to compare myself to you. But uh, I guess just specifically, whenever you're willing to be the first person that jumps in, and, and you're like, "Follow me," that that 
I guess that uh, is something that I think about whenever I, I've been through every stage in production in terms of my business. So I've take, taken semen orders, shipped semen, that with people in person. And I just think that gives you an element of leadership whenever you're willing to do the small things that make the big difference. And I guess just being honest, I need to work on my communication skills because I'm still in that micromanagement level. Dang it. I need to get better there, John. Uh, yeah, I think they're a pretty good communicator. <laughs> you have had a very successful run, whether that be with uh, Josh. I don't know if Josh ever showed a heifer with you or not, but like Seth Elder, Nick Sullivan, uh, James Sullivan, and then, of course, your daughter had a very successful show heifer run. And I guess, did you ever think about uh, trying the steer deal for your own kiddo, Sarah, or uh, was it always just about heifers? Um, you know, I enjoyed showing steers when I was young, um, but like I kind of commented earlier, I enjoy more the genetics and the breeding and the challenges of it, and, um, you know, I love it. We, we've got some of them supreme champion females with like two or three generations of grown genetics, so that that makes me feel good. I mean, it just kind of, uh, it, it's kind of how it's supposed to be. Sarah showed one steer, and I don't know, she was like 10 or 12 years of age. Black and white Monopoly steer, by the way. Black and white Monopoly steer. I remember that, Kath, the IOB festival. A good one. But yep. you know what? She just, and we raised him, so it was it was fun. But she just didn't like the steer thing as well. And I didn't need it, or you know, myself personally. And she just didn't like the steer showing as much as the heifer showing. And, hey, I mean, as parents, yeah, I want to kind of follow my kid's interest. Yeah. Hundred percent. My uh, my kiddo Maddie is actually starting to take to the barn for the very first time. She's helping my wife this summer at the barn in the mornings, and makes me feel good that it was her idea to go to barn to help mom and not my idea or, or Michelle's idea. So that's awesome whenever yeah. they show their interest. Uh, just briefly, uh, this is definitely not an infomercial, but uh, just as a point of record, uh, you guys did show a heifer this past fall at the North American full. Uh, sister to a bull I own named Jumpstart, and uh, maternal sib to our two calves was supreme in Houston. Uh, Riverstone Charms is an amazing cow. Talk about that briefly, like, in, during the course of your career, this this wouldn't be something that we had spoke about beforehand. Like that Crystal Lady, or what, Lady Crystal, was that was that one pretty high rent in the showroom deal, or was there a better oh, yeah. one for you? You know, she's a phenomenal producer. She's national champion purebred national champion shorthorn pluses and then um had a few market heifer and steers that made some impacts too i just like a mat when they're when they're truly authentic quality and there's greatness there they kind of will reproduce themselves and that's that's kind of the ones i like the best one last thing on the shorthorn deal i mean is it lady crystal or crystal lady lady crystal lady crystal and then the djs cherry 205 back in 2000 yep. Three, four time frame, both those females, one after the other, in terms of year after year. Uh, 205, Cherry, uh, she did you some good or did she come up a little short uh, when compared to Lady Crystal? No, she was phenomenal. She had, um, I think, two, year, two years ago, I had a champion shorthorn plus female at oh. Junior Nationals. I had a few of them. And then, um, oh gosh, uh, one of the better. Purebred short ones you ever showed was a daughter of hers called Wild Cherry. Now that that cow, uh, she was a beast raised by Stex. She yep. she was impressive in the ring and impressive uh, as a producer. Well, about 80 episodes ago, me and Troy Polyak briefly talked about uh, uh, we at one point owned a little sliver of DJS Cherry 205, and you bought us out there after she or maybe before she won Denver that year. Anyways. Uh, Another John Sullivan female story that I would have is uh, there was one year, I don't remember what year it is, but uh, me and you drove in a car from Milwaukee, Wisconsin to Zenda, Wisconsin, and we looked at a purebred shorthorn heifer at Troy's barn that year. He didn't, oh, didn't end up buying her. But anyways, that cow, it's just a funny story or you know, a unique story to tell, that cow we ended up trading to Phil Lautner. He bred her to... Harry Bear, anyways, the Harry Bear out of that shorn cow was the mother to Red Rock, uh, and Red Rock, he was 
one Denver and then ended up being cloned and is still available even on the market today. So that's kind of a cool little story. That is a cool story. I didn't, I didn't even, I don't, is that, was that female we went to look at or remember that drive? Was she white? She was uh, kind of a red roan colored one. Okay. 22 or 23 year old Matt Lodger, I was just like, I couldn't believe it that I was in a car driving John Sullivan down to Zen, Wisconsin. That was pretty awesome. Hey, we went, that was during Badger Kickoff Classic. Was right. that? Yep, I, during Badger. Yep, yep, it was. I Correct. That. <laughs> uh, yeah, I like me some shorthorn genetics for sure. Uh, and if I was smart, I'm not. But if I was smart and knew what, what cow value is all about, I would have kept my darn eighth interest in DJS Cherry 205. I would have kept that gosh dang mother. That ended up being the mother of the Red Rock. Damn it, damn it John. I'm I'm now in the portion of my career where uh, I'm actually more comfortable keeping cows for donors and all this stuff. My wife loves it. And uh, if I would have known Michelle just a few years earlier, maybe I'd have a, a quicker start in this cow game. We uh, are going through a lot of stuff over the last two or three years with COVID and supply chain issues. Has that uh, lent itself to any instability in your um, supply chain uh, through the years over the last couple? Oh yeah, there's there's no doubt about it. I mean, hey, it's 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 a friendly a friendly reminder to Americans that voting is important. I would highly encourage people to get themselves politically educated for themselves and focus on the facts because. A bad decision by our country's leaders, they have long-lasting effects. And that's what we're seeing. Just because I think it would be a funny interaction, I don't want you to comment, John, but I do want to let you know, if you haven't heard before, I did attend January 6, 2021, and it was nothing like Pearl Harbor or 9-11. If you uh, turn on certain news channels, they would describe it as such. It was like a big football pep rally. For about 98.6% of the day. So uh, don't always believe what you see on TV, I guess, is what, you, what I'd say about that. Hopefully we get back to some common sense policies, line up with, with working class people. We still live in the best country in the world. So I'm a believer. Good things are going to happen. Um, if it doesn't pass the common sense smell, it will not last. But what's the best investment you've ever made on an animal or a product like uh, what, what, I mean, is there an animal that's done the best for you? I mean, we briefly just spoke about that maybe, but, uh, or is, is Tailies the best thing ever for you? What, what has been your all-time top-selling individual product out of the, out of the shelf on SullivanSupply.com? Oh, that's a good, that's a good question. Um, it, it'd have to be like tail adhesive or, uh, like Air, Air Express blow dryers, you know, that was a, 25-year run, you know, Taylor Hees is going on a 30-plus year run of uh, dominance, you might would say, in market. So those two on the supply end would have to be at the very top. On the cow end, I'd say it would be um, the Stockman 365 cow. Oh, yeah. Um, she's a dam of 6640, the grand dam of, like, I think it's three Louisville Supreme heifers, and even great grand dam of uh, two of the Supreme heifers. I think that cow even had like three or four state fair champion steers too. So she was a $4,500 purchase that has just been, you know, one of them cash cows that have just, and she keeps giving generation after generation after generation. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have uh, expected you to say Stockton. That's awesome. I mean, that's, that's knowledge. That's, that's cool whenever I learn some stuff. So uh, what's the outlook on the show livestock economy for the next, couple of years in your humble opinion, and I know that these things can shift on the daily. You know, I think they're going to be pretty good. I mean, it's, we touched on it a little bit earlier, and my belief is the national-wide business climate will be shaky. Um, we will see a recession, most likely. Um, but on the flip side of that, American agriculture, I think, will be very strong with the commodity prices. Even with input costs, I still think American agriculture and egg businesses are going to be, uh, you know, in for a good little short-term two or three, four-year run here. That should affect the show economy, seed stock business in a fairly positive way. As far as the, live, the show livestock industry, and that's all species, uh, 
what do you see as the biggest challenge going forward over the next few years past the financial side of it? Just, I guess, anything in particular? Oh, boy. I guess if you wanted to have an honest conversation about it, I would say, you know, 90% of today's judges are excellent. And they have the best interest of the exhibitor and, you know, that particular show at heart. There's a few concerns across the industry right now. Some of the newer judges, and again, I'm going to say a large percentage are very authentic, but we just need to be careful as an, as an industry that we maintain a quality-driven show arena. Not emotions, not judging for self-interest. When the fourth best or the sixth best animals winning, I would echo that. Your peers and them people that are kind of at ringside, they're really not fooled. And then, I mean, it's just kind of respect is naturally lost. That is a challenge going forward in today's livestock show industry. So I'm going to make a statement. I mean, this was not planned. I don't. I, I mean, I. That was a really real response that you just gave me. I'm going to make a statement, just totally separate from yours. It has nothing to do with what you said. I just. I don't want. I don't want to bring you along for what I'm about to say. But what, I just want everybody to know this is my humble opinion only. But like, there's some judges out there, and I'm not going to name names, but I just. I know who they are. They use judging to further their pocketbook. Not necessarily handoff situation but you know the guy comes by this place and buys a calf from him a year before and they feel maybe obligated to give him an extra look and i i don't i don't want that to like cloud this awesome interview and maybe i'll just end up cutting it out but it's just that's my humble opinion there's just a small 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 handful of judges that i just feel like they're doing it for the wrong reasons and yeah as long as we can keep the focus simply on quality i think that uh the the business will take care of itself. I mean, fads will come and go, and and uh, as long as the as long as the uh, focus is on quality, everything will take care of itself. Okay, so you've been in the business for 33 years, if my math is right, and uh, Sullivan Supply for the bulk, uh, not for the bulk, for all of my lifetime has just kind of been the industry standard bearer. But uh, as marketplace competitors have come along, uh, did you have to make any decisions or any strategies implemented to keep Sullivan Supply in the lead? Or, you know, I guess uh, it would be a case-by-case deal, but just give us some broad view uh, perspective on that scenario. Well, competition, I mean, it's a wonderful thing if you look at it the right way. Uh, it keeps people moving in the right direction. Um, I'm thankful for it. To be quite honest about it, it keeps you rejuvenated and it keeps you on your toes. So, and you know, competition brings out the best in people or the worst in people. And what we're trying to do is concentrate on it, bringing out our best, and you know, kind of basically staying focused on on ourselves. New products, old-fashioned customer service, nose down. You know, just yep. basic things and. Here's the thing, Matt. A lot of people probably say you're just sugarcoating it or you're just saying it or or it's a cliche. But if you really know me, we're goal-driven. We're not – we're driven by challenges. We're not driven by financial. We're driven by challenges here. And each year I like to build another layer of improvement. When I was growing up, my favorite athlete was Michael Jordan. Probably still is. And I don't even really watch basketball much anymore. I'm more of a football guy. But I love Michael Jordan. And, and what I liked about him is every off season, he shut his mouth. He just worked on his skill set. And he had, an, he had a specific goal to work on his game. And then, you know, you can go to LeBron James. And he's a complete physical specimen, probably more so than Michael Jordan. But, hey, he never really improved his game. He talked a lot. Like Jordan was back at the gym doing his own thing, busting his butt, improving himself. So, you know, competition's good, and look what it did for Michael Jordan. He just thrived on it. 
mean, this is just a little bit separated from what you're saying, but just in terms of uh, competition in the marketplace, I'm always aware of it, but uh, there's no bigger critic of my own business than myself, and I'm sure that you're the same way. With Self-evaluation is the way that I like to get better, and uh, every day, this is an old saying we had back in football. We're doing a little series on Friday Night Lights right now with a couple of old high school buddies in a different podcast, but... Uh, Every day, you get a little bit better or you get a little bit worse. You never stay the same from day to day. So, I mean, uh, yeah, that's the goal is to get a little better each day and kick a little more ass each day and, and darn sure your products are just better from, from all that I can tell. So, this comes from Mr. Kevin Mears. He wants to know more about the Pulse, uh, your daily updated livestock uh, website. It's been good for your business. I mean, I'll just give you my brief review on it like you do such an amazing job. I mean, for a brief time, my wife and me a little bit did some show updates back in the late 2000s or early 2010s, and it's just a big hassle. And it's all, and by the way, for you and for me back then, it was free. We were doing it because we just enjoyed, you know, spreading the news of the day uh, when it came to show updates. But, uh, I mean, just talk about the growth of that platform and we come up with a pulse. The whole goal was to try to motivate young kids to stay in go- engaged in livestock showing. Keep them fired up, you know. A little bit of a logistics nightmare. You know, there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes there. A lot of people don't realize that. For example, if there's eight Angus steers out for a division or eight Angus heifers out for a division at a big show, uh, you got to get a picture of all eight of them. You can't always predict which one's going to win. So that puts a lot of pressure on them, people taking pictures and so forth. And just the logistics and expense behind it are um, almost incredibly outstanding. You know, it, it blow you away. Uh, we do a lot of things that we don't think truly make money for us. I mean, Stock Show University, the the Pulse, or uh, this, we're coming up with a, what we call the Stock Market Boutique Trailer coming up this year as a new item. We just believe in industry. We're 100% behind it. And some way, you're hoping it comes back and, and works well for you. But the pulse is about young kids, bottom line. Keep them fired up. And, yeah, it's extremely popular. We get show days in, say, Fort Worth Steer Show Day and uh, uh, Louisville Pepper and Steer Show Day. There will be over 100,000 hits on that thing in one day. And, you know, we yeah. like being able to keep it that it's, uh, everybody can get involved in it. Uh, if you want to send a picture of your dogs in and say dogs for sale, it's all about our customers and kids, whatever you guys want to make it. You almost can't imagine like a, a state fair going off or a national western stock show and you guys not updating it. So it's almost like people are now just demanding that you do this for them, dark gall darn it, John. I know. <laughs> it kind of started out as it was really a good feel good, and now it's, it's kind of like expected. Say you're coming home from a show and either you did well or you did not quite as well as you thought you could have done. Who's the person that you call the top strategy or just talk about a show after a tough win or a, a, a good win or a tough defeat? I really don't call anybody. I'll talk to, to Sarah or Nate Tice, usually at the show or driving home from the show, something like that. Yep. In the show. But to be honest, Matt, it's pretty darn short. It's a short conversation, and whether it's a good show or bad show, in about 24 hours, we're just kind of looking forward. And, yeah. uh, you know, we just don't look too much at the past, to be honest. It's- you're like Nick Saban, the Alabama football. You're out there. You're, you're celebrating the national championship game. But by golly, you're already thinking about next year's national championship game. Just past accomplishments <laughs> can make you lazy. Uh, do you golf or do you swim or do you fish? What do you do in your spare time, John? Or do you have any? Do you have any spare time? Uh, we we carve out a little bit. It's, we're we're pretty much strictly family here and uh, the livestock show world. So, you know, if we're not at a, a show or uh, we're not talking about show supplies or um, it's going to be a family event, and we, we do like to take one or two family events a year away. And- We'll, we'll take a week and go somewhere. 
love love football games. That's a little little bit of an escape. But rumor has it you're a big Chiefs fan. I've seen some of that on the poll. Oh yeah, yeah. Have been for since I was four years old. Huge Chiefs fan. <laughs> now, if the Chiefs get beat by the Eagles, what can you expect Tice to send you in, in a text message? It, it'd be ugly. <laughs> for sure. but you know what? It just never happens, Matt. So I don't have to. Never Especially whenever you got the Michael Jordan of quarterbacks, old uh, Patrick Mahomes playing for you. No, no big deal. I could talk a lot of smack to Tice right now about football. That's all I know. Uh, okay, so this would be a more serious question. Uh, with the success across all brands that you've had, I mean, just as briefly or as long as you'd like to describe it, like. How do you deal with any rock throwers that sometimes come with that exciting success that you had over the last 30 to 40 years? Well, I mean, hey, life is pretty humbling in general. It it doesn't escape any anyone. So there's a lot of things that go wrong around here on a day-to-day basis because we have a lot of exposure because we're doing a lot of things. So, sure. yeah. uh, you know, it never goes as expected. So you got to be able to adapt there. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's just not productive to get caught up in blame game or excuses made. We've had success here, Matt, with absolutely no capital and from an underdog role to uh, success as you build your business, you build your breeding programs. Um, but it doesn't necessarily make things easier. Uh, as you, face, you just face a new set of obstacles and new challenges. This in today's environment, just from from the from the national media, this is in general and social media, you know, it almost feels like it's a climate that punishes success. You know, that that can be unhealthy for for people. I mean, everybody has a sympathetic story. Everybody has an underdog story. Everybody has a bad luck story over a lifetime. Success in business and livestock, you no know, long term is earned, and I mean, if you think you're going to buy a championship, just, for example, ask the L.A. Lakers how that worked out this year. You know, it just doesn't work out that way. You've got to utilize your abilities, and you've got to uh, work for it in general. And, hey, just kind of like you said earlier, I am a huge Chiefs fan, huge. But the second athlete I probably admire the most is Tom Brady. And, hey, that guy, he's beat up over the Chiefs a lot over the years. He has. But I love Tom Brady, and I'll tell you why. Because he is relentless on improving himself, and he doesn't get caught up in him anything. Just looking forward and doing his thing, working hard, and I can respect that. Nobody give him anything. He worked. He's oh, yeah. working for it. Uh, Tom Brady playing football at the age of 44 is like mm, a 75-year-old trying to trying to compete with me and old Wade Rogers in our 40s. It's just not even fair. But uh, he's Tom Brady has kicked ass, and it's just it's unbelievable that he's able to compete with people that are half his age and and not get beat up because man, that that professional game, I. I know very little about it other than I, I can't imagine that it it takes a toll on a body after the course of a career and Tom Brady's given it twenty some years and that's amazing that he's still rocked and rolling. So it really is. It's a two part question. How many uh cattle are produced uh across your at your farm? And then tell us about your feedlot. There's a lot of a lot of traders that come in there and they, they scoop up some really good cattle, whether that be well, let's just not name them, but there's just a lot of different folks that you work with. Uh, how does the guy get into that feedlot, and when does the guy need to come look at the feedlot? Okay. Well, we, um, you know, we're we're about 300 spring-born calves a year, and about 80 to 100 balls. Um, we sell the majority of them. We're pretty good. I mean, 350 of them might end up going and sold as show heifers or as bred heifers in the seed stock business. There's not too many. There's less than 10% that go to sale barn, I'd say. So that's pretty good. And then um, we flush about 25 to 30 cows a year there, Matt. And your, your famous uh, replacement pen or feedlot, as you call it, um, hey, just call Josh Elder. 
there has been a lot of funny stories there and uh in the past about uh but it's it's really tells you that genetics good genetics have a little more upside in the future uh so if you're gonna go bargain shopping you know kind of watch you out a little bit but a lot of those heifers sold 25 to 4,500 through the years, 25, 5,500. Sure. And then, they, you know, they've made those guys, young guys, a lot of money, and we're, we're happy about it. Damn it, Kevin Mears up in the control room. I shouldn't have put Feedlot in there. It's a replacement pin. I'm sorry about that, John. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> so, Chuck Kelder, 402-650-1380. All you young hustlers, give him a call and go give yourself – get yourself – I mean, it's all about the genetics, really. I mean, you guys just have so many good cows and so many good mating that, of course, uh, whether it's the very first calf that comes off the farm or a little bit deeper into the season, there's just going to be quality there because not all cows or not all cows milk the same. There's going to be differences in the type and kind in terms of body condition, and I would say there's obviously the genetics that are going to kick ass uh kick ass in the show ring because you've proven it over the course of your 30 and 40 year career. So, okay, last couple of questions. I promise that we're almost done. I'm sure that you need to go get a glass of water. We've talked so much. But, what is your favorite breed of show cattle? And if uh, after you explain that one, what uh, breed does uh, you, do you see the most potential in going forward? Yeah, I like several breeds and I, I am honestly not sidestepping the question. At all, I love several breeds because good cattle exist in about every breed. Yeah, I like, I just like the good ones. Um, I probably, uh, if you twisted my arm, I'd probably say Simital or Key, you know. But hey, I love a good Angus and and Limousine and Shorthorns too. And um, gosh, I've seen some Hereford females in the past. I've, I just loved, you know. So I, I just see good cattle in every breed. You know, you know when Supreme Championships are going on, there's a lot of different theories from judges, and the majority of them of the judges think that you should pick the best one. But you get a few that say you should pick the best one for uh, a breed. Sure. And to me, I always thought, well, you know, that's it. You're just handicapping the field. So, <laughs> are you handicapping the golfers for the cattle show now? And to me, you know, a Supreme Champion banner right out there. That, that means it's the best female. It's not the best one per breed. So That's a really good way to put it. Yeah. You should pick the best animal out there, my opinion. Um, I'm sure that this isn't totally how you feel about it, but I think it is a unique way to describe it. I tell people sometimes, anytime that a judge does anything besides pick his favorite animal, he is overthinking his job description. <laughs> there doesn't need to be a handicap system involved with uh the uh, animals that are getting selected, it should be just good as good, and that's all that should matter. I'm, uh, I humbly submit. So, yeah, you said breed associations. You know, there's geez, that that uh, there's a couple of them that are outstanding. I mean, there really is. But um, which one has the most upside and potential? I mean, it honestly, I think it will be determined by uh, breed leadership, and in the top three or four breeders of that breed. Um, they can make such a genetic impact, you know. They, it's almost like the breeds are driven more by the people than the breed itself. I I agree with you loud and clear, and I will be personally rooting for those top limousine breeders to be kicking some ass because we want Jumpstart to get way popular. That's a breed that definitely has some upside potential. There's no doubt about it. For sure, they're going to see some growth with all these multi or uh, all breeds. Supremes over the course of the last six months, for sure. Uh, finishing up, uh, John, just tell me about the future. I mean, for Sullivan Supply, for your kiddos, um, just briefly to wrap up or to tie the to uh, loop the knot on your own kids. I guess Sage is your youngest daughter. She's choosing not to show, or might she get into the ring over the next few years? Well, I mean, our our future is. Um we got James Sullivan's heavily involved, and he loves this industry. And my uh, daughter, Sarah, she's all in. She's uh, got goals of, of being involved in Sullivan Supply. And um, she, she loves every part of it, from the, from the marketing to the showing. And 
she's just a good kind of salt of the earth kid that can kind of succeed at anything. So, um, you know, a few years ago when we kind of identified that, that those two uh, had some interest and then we had uh, um, lucky enough to work with Matt Burkhart now for seven years. So we've did a lot of things, Matt, the last three or four years that um, kind of building on for the future. And it's when we when we had a succession plan, you know, that kind of inspired us a little bit more. It's like, okay, let's build a new building instead of toughing it out in our old building, right? You know, and, and things like that kind of amping up our new product uh, department because uh, we're just, you know, looking forward to the future so much right now, more than more than ever, to be honest. So yeah. that is kind of the future there. And then my daughter, Sage, is just an incredible um, uh, creative kid. And sure. uh, she's you you know unique kid hey she just won a big robotic contest here the other day and um That's, could i push her showing there's no doubt about it she loves livestock and she mm-hmm. loves all animals uh is it her um you know right now it's not and she just turned 13 years of age and yeah. until she wants to um i mean i want her to do what she wants to do so she's done like you sound like just a real dad. You're just a normal dad. You're not John Sullivan. You're just dad to say so. That's well, awesome. I yeah, I don't want her to do it if she doesn't want to do it. And I, I honestly do. I feel like I could kind of lean her into it pretty easy. And she'd probably eventually, you know, like it somewhat. But if it's yeah. not passion, I just don't want her to do it. And my wife, Dee and I, we both feel that way. I mean, we both love this industry. And Dee Dee works just as hard as, as anyone around here. But she doesn't want our kids to do something that they're not passionate about. We've always got to do what we were passionate about. And uh, why do I want to drive her vehicle around? That is a good way to uh, put a bow on this deal. I appreciate your time. Uh, Is there anything else you'd like to briefly mention before we log off? Love the industry. Just looking forward to international. This is my favorite time of the year. A lot of cool families and and events. And uh, I think it's pretty awesome time in the industry. Beyond this interview, John, I want to personally thank you for your commitment to the industry. Uh, I mean, some people make their money and just go, whatever, spend it somewhere. But uh, you're reinvesting each year uh, through your scholarship programs, through the Pulse, uh, through this new boutique uh, venture that you're starting, and probably more ways than I even know. So, I appreciate your time. Thank you for all that you've done for the industry. Thank you for your – don't know each other super well, but we have been, you know, friends since uh, I got out of high school. So thank you very much for all that and look forward to seeing what Sullivan Supply can do over the next 20, like they've done over the last 20 uh, during my career. Hey, really appreciate it, Matt. Thank you so much. Sir, have a good day. All. You bet. Thanks, Matt. Bye.